I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 77. As Sergio Romero teased a couple weeks ago, we can play the number game one more time. It is the Gigi Buffon 2.0 episode, and I think it's safe to say that the Gigi Buffon 2.0 era went a little bit better than the Max Allegri Allegri 2.0 era is currently going. So before we get to that, you can always subscribe to The Old Lady Speaks on your favorite podcasting platform. Search black and white and red all over, whether it is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You can always leave us a review there, share all that good stuff. So with the plugs out of the way, we have Samuel Presti. Hello, Samuel. We all live in a yellow submarine. A yellow submarine. Yellow submarine. A lot, of, submarine. a lot of nautical things involving Juventus the last couple of days, huh? Yeah, now that you th- now that you mention it. Yeah. And we are Chucksless this week, so Sergio Romero gets a bump up in the introduction phase. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas, happy to be here. It's always tremendously happy to be here in the seventh, seventh episode. Probably one of my, my most beloved kits, actually, the, the Buffon 77 one because he did war like the way kit or third kit or whatever like that yes. smurf looking kit that one time so it technically counts and i tell that to everyone and at best the only response i get is like mildly amused but it is very interesting to me 
thought you were going to say you're just happy to be here because you're not in traffic anymore. Well, yeah, that too. That too. Five hours in traffic. It's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough. Tough look for Mexico City. All right. Well, Sergio, since you had a rough day yesterday and it unfortunately caused us to push back recording a little bit, what is your takeaway from the weekend other than traffic in Mexico on a certain Sunday is not very good? Yeah, outside of that, which really was my main takeaway from the weekend, really Juventus is a mid-table team. That, that's my biggest takeaway. And I know it's not the first time that it's been said, but it's becoming clearer and clearer as, as the games go by. I think this team is currently constituted is, is a mid-table team. It has talented players. It has, it has good players. It has some not-so-good players with the wages of very good players. But they are who they are. They're just inconsistent. They're not good enough. When plan A goes out the window, they really have no way to respond and that's what a mid-table team is. They need everything to go right in order for them to play well. And when that doesn't happen, then they don't really have much of an answer. It's a tough pill to swallow, but I think we have enough evidence up until this point that Juventus can, on their day, can play against the best of them. But whether or not they are on, on their day is very much in doubt every time they step on the pitch. So you know, they have a name for that. And that is a mid-table team. And that is what Juventus is. All right, Samuel, what you got? Yeah, that's just, there just doesn't seem to be any ideas. Not from the players and not from Max Allegri either. I mean, going back to the 4-2-3-1 like we were talking about last week, you know, that was that worked. But like you, said, like you just said, Sergio, once, once plan A dies, there is no plan B. And... I'm sorry, you have to have plan B. It's obviously he's a very good coach, but Pep Guardiola, I've always kind of given a knock on him because it seems like if you if you manage to stifle plan A with him, he's never really come back with a plan B. And right now, Allegri just isn't doing it. And, and that's weird because we've seen him do it before. I mean, you remember that second leg of game against Tottenham a few years ago when he somehow managed to turn the game around by replacing both fullbacks. <laughs> like... Like that was the kind of thing that Allegri can pull could pull out in a mid game. And he just doesn't seem to have any clue right now. And it's kind of like it was at the, at the very end of his, the last season of his first tenure when he just looked like he was fresh out of ideas. And as much as Sergio makes a, a, a mostly valid argument that, you know, the players maybe aren't good enough, certainly not a, a, a proper mix of players, it's got to be worth wondering whether or not the game passed Max Allegri by while he's been on this sabbatical, because it just seems like he's doing the same stuff and it's not, it's not changing. So essentially from here on out, we're going to break things into two, two parts. And I guess you could call it two and a half when you throw in the Twitter questions as well. And we're going to basically do the domestic and then the continental. So we'll get to the champions league stuff. And I guess we can throw in a little bit about the craziness on the final day of the the group stage in a minute here, but obviously the main focus is Juventus dropping points again, not only against a team, they have no business dropping points against, but also a team that was very much not in any kind of positive form coming into the game. And obviously, you know, people were feeling all, all, you know, happy inside once they saw the, the way that Juventus arrived to the stadium on a, on a boat. And I think that's obviously the, the quirk of playing in Venice. But when Juventus again drops points from a winning position, and I believe it's now nine points they've dropped 
from a winning position this season it obviously gives you flashbacks to not only weeks prior but months prior and seasons prior and that is something that i think at this point is very much it's something that three coaches now have not been able to figure out how to prevent and honestly you could say that it happened as well during allegri's first tenure so I guess we'll start with the thoughts on what went wrong in Venice. And I would assume a lot of it has to do with Paulo Dybala only playing about 11 and a half minutes. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, like we were saying last, uh, last week and maybe, or maybe the week before that Dybala really is the linchpin of this team, especially in that four, two, three, one, you know, he's the, he'll, he'll, he's the guy that will connect the attack with, the defense he'll you know he'll send the he'll collect the ball somewhere in midfield send the ball down towards the wings towards the wingers and then he'll trail the play and and either get fed or just start orchestrating again up top and without him there is no one that can do that especially not when allegri pulls right back into that 442 that does nothing there's such a, a lack of creative players on this team, you know, it was basically, you know, can Juan Cuadrado make it, you know, pull something out on the right-hand side, but that's really all you were looking that, that you could look for because Manuel Locatelli is as good as he is. And as well as he's played this season, he isn't that kind of a guy that's going to create the goal directly from up close to the box. And, and it was just a, a whole lot of, as, as you've, uh, once put it in several of your recaps, Danny, not this one in particular, but a big, it was a big old bucket of meh up front because it was just not, you know, there was nothing happening. Another thing that I think was a problem was that the team seemed like they were protecting that one goal lead from the off in the second half. It did not look like Max Allegri had any inclination to attack in that once halftime came out. And that has to stop. This team has to start going for the jugular when they have leads. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll get it, maybe they won't, but it's a heck of a lot uh, more of a sure thing to, uh, to keep on pushing for a, a second goal than to just hold the line for 45 minutes like it looked like Allegri was planning on doing until Aramu scored. You just you you can't just cling to this one to these one goal leads and expect to to, to not drop points off those off the leads, like you were saying, Danny, you have to go for these goals and Allegri just won't do it. I think that for me is the bigger problem too, is that it wasn't necessarily the going to the four, four, two, cause it wasn't like Adrian Rabio was playing out on the wing. He had actual wingers playing on the wings. It was the fact that he dropped back once the second half started and it's like, okay, let's just try and wrap this up one, nothing. I didn't have much of an issue going with the four, four, two, because with how many people aren't there, who whether it was suspension or injury, there's only so much he could have done formation-wise. But That's fair. But That's I fair. think getting ultra-conservative against a team that has been leaking goals right and left the last few weeks, yeah. that was the biggest thing for me. And I think not, not only that point, but I think that the overall point of you know whether or not it's this team is bad or, or the coach is bad or, or whatever, it's one of the chicken and the egg type of thing, right? Like, this team can't really generate offensive chances. So when they get one and then they, you know, quote unquote, sit back and defend, is it because they're actually sitting back and defending or just because they can't really generate a whole bunch? Because 
even even when they're actually trying to attack, even when they went down, it's not like they were creating a bunch of chances. It's not like they were generating a whole bunch. I, I think this team as a whole just isn't really able to to generate a whole bunch of offensive, especially without uh, Paulo Dybala, especially without Federico Chiesa, especially without the, the, the guys that really, you know, bring that that offensive flair into the into the lineup. And the, here's something that I, I bet you guys never thought I'd say, but I think this is where really the team is a guy like Cristiano Ronaldo. And I know not no one in this podcast is particularly fond of of him as a person or of, of his whole, uh, you know, industrial complex. But the reality is that he was the guy that you could have 90 minutes of this and then he would, you know, get a, a rabbit out of the hat and, and make the goal and, and get the win. And I know you guys already probably talked about this, but uh, I was, as I was looking at watching the, the documentary, The All or Nothing, it, was, it reminded me how many times Juventus played poorly and then somehow pulled a result because Ronaldo stumbled upon a goal out of nowhere. And that's something that he did very well. And it's something that right now, I don't think Juventus is playing much better or much worse than they were last year. I think they're showing a lot of the same problems, a lot of the same, you know, good stuff when they, when they, when it happens, but I do think they're missing that guy who's gonna, you know, who's, who might not do absolutely anything for 89 minutes, but he's going to find a breakthrough somehow. And I don't think they really have a guy like that. The only guys that, that can do things like that are Paulo Dybala or Federico Chiesa. They're injured right now constantly for, for whatever reason. So I, I think they, don't get me wrong, I, I don't think they're not, you know, going back and defending and turtling, but it's also even at their best, they can't really generate a lot of offensive. I don't think going for the jugular is even an option when, Getting just the one goal is is already challenging enough, so I think this team just overall has an offensive problem. Whether whether that's with the lead, whether that's in a tie, whether that's when they're down, they just have an offensive problem. They can't score, and that's been a problem throughout the whole season. And I don't know how you fix that when you're you know most talented player I would say offensively in Paulo Dybala is injured constantly when your other most talented player in Federico Chiesa is, is out now, I don't think he's out constantly, but he's out right now. It, I think they're in a very, very tough, tough position overall with injuries, with, with the way that the team is built, just in general, I think it's an imperfect team and, and it continues to be that way for, for a few years now. Yeah. But are, is the team having a problem creating chances, converting chances? Yes. But I would still rather, be looking at sterile possession in the other team's half of the field than holding on for dear life, you know, and giving up all possession in your own half of the field. If that game on Saturday had been, you know, 45 minutes, the, the second half had been 45 minutes of Juve kicking the ball around laterally in the Venezia half and Venezia not really being able to do much with it. And even if the score was one nil, then I, then I, then that's a better, that's better than the alternative especially against a team like Venezia who, you know, were actually giving up a couple of, uh, a couple of chances in that first half, you know, there were, you know, some bad decisions, some bad luck uh, in terms of where the ball spun that, that forced that, that, you know, made it only one nil at the half, but I'd rather, I'd rather, even if, even if, even with all those problems that you said, which are valid and are, and exist, 
if you have the ability to just take the ball to your opponent's half and keep it there for the majority of the half, even if it's really awful in and to watch and not a lot of, of chances are made, it's better than just hanging on and defending and hoping that you don't make that one mistake in the back like Juventus ended up doing. I will say that I agree with that in the sense that I don't think that being more defensive as the game goes along is any longer like a valid strategy because in in the first Allegriera, you know, how many times we saw exactly that, but I think that defense was a lot better. I think Allegri had a lot more. Like when that happened, Andrea Barzali was coming off the bench and a striker was coming off and that's, you know. Yeah, exactly. That was was a completely different thing. It was just a different team. And how many times did we saw like exactly like they went up one nil and then they would turtle up and then the first chance they had counterattack, boom, two nil and the game was pretty much done. I think they are trying to do the same thing as just not working. I think the defense is nowhere near as solid as it was back then. I don't hate the concept, especially because so many times we've also seen teams like, for example, the, the, the old Napoli Sarri teams that would attack, 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 or the, even the Atalanta teams that would attack all the time. And, you know, they, then they would, you know, get hit on a counter when they have a game pretty well in hand, they get hit on the counter and suddenly the game is, is, is on the line when it really shouldn't have been. So I'm not, I, I think it's not always terrible to just say, okay, we have the lead. Let's kind of give possession a little bit. Let's try to hit them on the counter. I don't think that's a terrible strategy all the time, but this team is just not defensively solid enough to pull that out all the time like it used to be. And I do think I do think Allegri needs to realize that at this point and probably not be as passive on, on second halves. So I do agree on that. I don't necessarily hate the strategy. I don't think it works with the team as currently constituted, unfortunately, because they do have a lot of players that, that are very good on counterattacks. They have a guy like Dejan Kulusevski. They have guys like Federico Chiesa, like Juan Cuadrado, that are very fast, that are very good in open space. Even the strikers in Morata, Keane, it's it's not a team that that is not constructive for counterattacking. In fact, I think they can be a very good counterattacking team, but... In order to be a good counterattacking team, you need to be very, very defensively solid. And right now, it's much like the rest of the team. They'll pitch a complete shot out like they did against Chelsea in Italy when they shot them down for 90 minutes or when they did against, I think, Lazio. They did that too. Like, they'll do that on occasion and then they'll leak goals against Venezia. Like, it's it's really kind of like a chicken and the egg thing. It's like, it's it's the whole team that just... You can't trust them to to be the same team week in and week out. And until that changes, no real strategy is going to work long term because they can look good one day and then the next day because injuries, because of death, because of whatever, they exact same players, exact same formation, and it will not work against maybe weaker opponents, against maybe stronger opponents. But as long as that remains the case, it's just hard for me to see a scenario in which a coach or in which whoever can really turn this team around in a hurry. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think this is just who they are for the rest of the year. One thing that a coach can do, and and I've talked about this before, we've all talked about this before, and this has gone back to the first Allegri era as well, is that this somebody, somebody has to be able to get this team to stop playing down to its opposition. Because, you know, we've seen, you know, that, that lots, you know, the game against Lazio, the game against Chelsea, 
the majority of the game against Milan until they had the, the, the brain fart and, and lost that lead. Like they, they play very well against good teams. And then when they play a team like Venezia or like Benevento last year, then that mentality is all right. It's just them. And they, they stoop to their level and we end up getting really ugly, ugly games out of it and ugly results. And that is a coaching thing. And that is something that Allegri had, that had started creeping in when Allegri was there at the first time. And no one's been able to arrest it since the, the best that it's been is was Saudi. Cause at least they'd usually slam through at least one and get out of there with a, with a one nil that year. But then last year, you know, with, with so many drop points against, against lower level teams with Pirlo, same thing this year, it's, it, it it's happening way, way too much now. And that's got to be something that the coach can deal, can deal with and, and figure out a way to, to, to stop. Well, that's the problem though, right? Is that we're now a couple coaches in to these as Saudi first called blackouts. And it just so convenient that Allegri used them, used that same term over the weekend and no coach has really been able to solve it. I mean, you, you look at when Juve were grinding out one, nothing wins a couple of months ago. And it, it feels like a couple of years ago at this point with everything that, that has happened since. And it's, I mean, I know we keep saying it over and over and over again, but these are just the same damn problems that don't get fixed. And I don't know, maybe it's just the, at this point, maybe it's just the players are so unable to change their mentality. This is just how it's going to be or what part of it is. I'm sure mental part of it is obviously them physically not getting the job done. Cause you look at, the chart, just chart, the, the shot chart, <laughs> say that three times fast. And, <laughs> and, uh, and Juventus outshot Venezia by a pretty good margin. They had 20 shots in the game, albeit none of them, not all of them were great shots, but you know, I'm surprised that we've, we're now a half hour in and we haven't mentioned the F the conveniently named Sergio Romero and his couple of big saves, but yeah, I mean it. It's part execution on the field. It's part it's execution by the manager. It it's just it's everything, and that's why, as we've been saying ever since, basically the beginning of the Pirlo era, this team is just so damn week to week. It's impossible to expect any consistency consistency at this point. And, and I guess that that comes back to a problem of if if you want to look at it as a macro problem, but exactly like we've had three different coaches in, in, in three different seasons with very similar problems. And, and it just, every time it's like this, 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 you know, I, I know I'm repeating myself a little bit, but this chicken and the egg question are, is it the coach or is it the team? And just because we haven't had any consistency, we don't know. Like if this was the second year of, of Pirlo, for example, and we, we were still seeing the same mistakes, you could be, oh, okay, well, maybe it's the coach, you know, he's had a lot enough time to prepare. He had a full of season to, to do whatever he wants to do and things are still not meshing and i think at that point you can say well maybe it's the coach but just because there's been so many so much turmoil so many changes even at, at a at a board level with with Fabio Paratici leaving like it's just it's been a lot of turmoil in all places in the organization that it's really hard to be to save a hundred percent oh it's the coach that is the one that's screwing it up or it's the players like it's so hard for me to to 
be a hundred percent confident in either one. I think there's very solid arguments for either one of those reasons being like why this team continues to underachieve. And at this point, I think it's no longer underachieving. I think it's just who they are. I think it's a, it's a top four team at best. Uh, we might be called Juventus. We might be wearing the black and white stripes and playing in that big fancy stadium and have our museum and whatnot. But it's a mid-table team that has the aspirations to play in Europe. That's really who they are. And even, I know we'll talk about the Champions League draw later, but even like I was looking at the list of opponents, like I think we're favored, but I'm not really sure. Like I'm, I wouldn't really put my money on them anymore because they're so week to week. They're just so inconsistent. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Who knows? And a team like that is just not in a long, in the long run is just not going to be a successful club. So I think at this point, the best case scenario for Juventus is they get hot for a few months, do enough to get the top four and, and, hope for better luck next year or hope for a rebuild or whatever it's necessary for, for them to turn it around. That's a lot of hope, Sergio. Yeah. And it does go back to the fact that this, all of this goes right back to the, to the front office and to that doorstep, not, not so much necessarily letting Allegri go the first time. I truly believe that was the right call. I think things had gotten stale, but not allowing either of the next two coaches more than one season, more than one transfer window, summer transfer window, because nothing nothing substantive happens during the winter transfer windows. We all know that. The projects weren't allowed to happen. It was just, just knee-jerk reaction after knee-jerk reaction after knee-jerk reaction when you, we had to actually start building something. Right now, we're not in build. There, there's nothing there. There's no foundation anymore. And I think if, if you have a front office that that works competently, and I don't, and that's you know you were saying Sergio about Fabio Paratici, I think that, that that that's one of the few positives in terms of turnover because I don't think Paratici was doing it competently. It remains to be seen whether Federico Cervini will, because ultimately everything rests at Andrea Agnelli's feet, and Agnelli has made some really piss poor decisions since 2018. So we have to hope that the front office tightens up more than anything else. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I, I think just exactly that turnaround, exactly that. It's just been a, a weird, weird team to, to analyze. And, you know, it, it's tough because I think with Sarri, you know, among reports that he had lost the locker room, that there was like almost open revolt uh, if he was staying. I think that's much more defendable decision to move on. But a guy like Pirlo, I think... You know, I'm not saying he was particularly great either, because I think that's just looking at the past with rose colored glasses, because I, I don't think his stint was particularly great either. I, I think they just started better and then they closed out worse. The, the, the same might happen with Allegri. This might be them starting up bad and then they can get hot at the end and finish roughly around the same place. Right. But it's just if you don't have a plan, a long term plan in place. It's just going to be very easy to find, you know, temporary scapegoats and stay as the coach or it's this player or that player until you actually put in a plan in place and figure out whether or not that plan works. I think it's just it's just going to be the blame game all around. And I, I hope I, I'm really hoping and I don't think they will, but that they actually keep um, 
keep Allegri for a few years. I know that this hasn't been a great year, but he has a long-term contract. I think they, I think they knew that this wasn't a fantastic team. And I think that that's why they gave him such a long-term contract because they figured that this was kind of a rebuild that was going to take a few years to, to really come to fruition. I think we're stuck with, with Allegri, and I don't mean that necessarily in a in a negative light, but I think we are going to ride it out with Allegri and, and figure out if he's the guy to turn this thing around from a squad perspective, from a team perspective, from a mentality perspective, because just giving him one year and if he fails, just immediately canning him starting all over again, I, I, I can't see that as, as the way forward in all honesty, even if even if we miss Europe, I, I, I don't see how you start all over again for a third straight year and just hope that the next guy is the guy. I think I think that's just untenable. I think you write it out and, and figure it out. I honestly think this season, if they make Champions League football, that should be a success. That I think that's as good as it's going to get. Well, they're not, we're not going to be firing Allegri because there's no way the team can afford 27 million euros of dead money. Well, we but, paid Aaron Ramsey a bunch of money, so, you know. You beat me to it, damn it. Yeah. That's a whole bunch of dead but, money to do. Yeah, well, I guess they didn't know it at the time. But come on, Newcastle. Come on, Everton. Everton. But it, it remains to be seen for me whether or not Allegri has kind of turned into Mourinho 2.0 with, with football that's too outdated and he's not adapting oh snap um but Damn. but there's Mourinho 2.0 that's that's a that's a tough take right there that's i mean show show me where his show me where he's kind of come into the modern age in the in in these first couple of months of the season um, yeah, but he also has like a super flawed squad and it's been like four months i think yes he, has, he, he, he has know, a it, super... hasn't been great but you know to call him Mourinho 2.0 it's 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 tough yeah, it, I mean that that it's definitely harsh, but I mean that's that's just that's my read right now. I don't know what else to call it because right now Allegri is just playing out. He's he's playing outdated football and he's being run over by guys like Igor Tudor in the in in the opposite dugouts sometimes. And it's flawed squad or no flawed squad. Soccer is a game of ideas, and if you're if if he can't catch up to where the game is with ideas then what else can you say? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I don't know what you could say, but I do know that we can now transition into a little bit of Champions League talk. And Sergio mentioned plans that didn't exactly work out well. Well, we can say that about how the first edition of the round of 16 Champions League draw went. Because 
Boy, that was that sure was something to experience at 3.30 in the morning, my time here in Oregon. So, yeah. You need a hug, Danny. I, I need some sleep. <laughs> That's what I need. I need sleep. <laughs> I know I, I, I got my cup of coffee here, and I usually don't drink coffee at the, the time of day in which we're recording. So that should tell you all about that. But obviously, Juventus, I think, you know, in both cases, really, and I said it in the, in the post when – both opponents were announced. It feels weird to say that, but two opponents were announced that obviously it could have been worse because Juventus avoided the the big boys that finished second in their respective groups. But also, as we know, Juventus getting a team that is deemed in kind of the lower tier of potential opponents the last few years that hasn't gone so well. So I guess that's the long way of getting Villarreal. Your thoughts? Really, really interesting. Interesting and kind of a toss-up because you know we're we're having one of our worst years in a long time. Looking up Villarreal, though, you know they're thirteenth in La Liga right now. They've only won four games all year. They've shipped seventeen goals in six in sixteen games. They allowed nine in six against uh, the rest of Group F. It it's just it's one of those things. You know it's really unpredictable because you've got. You know, you've got some guys in this team that have some experience in the bigger parts of of this tournament and of this and at this stage. But at the same time, are they going to on any given day, they feel like they can just kind of fall apart. So just like us, Um, because, you know, you see guys like, you know, Raul Abiol. There's a name that we uh, that we've uh, that we haven't heard in a while, but, you know, familiar he, and he's played in the Champions League with Napoli a bunch. Um, Paco Alca, uh, Alcacer, he, uh, you know, he was at this stage with Bayern Munich, with not Bayern Munich, Barcelona quite a bit. There's experience in this team, but whether or not they'll be able to pull that all together, it remains to be seen, much like us. So it's this really is kind of a toss up. I actually agree 100% with what you're saying because we don't know. Uh, I, I don't really watch a whole bunch of Villarreal in, in my spare time, but I do remember seeing the the run to the Europa League Championship last year. And I thought they were a pretty good team, just pretty well coached. It, it actually, weirdly enough, reminded me of, of, of Juventus a few years ago when they didn't have the biggest names. They didn't have like the biggest players, but... They just were very well coached. Everyone knew what to do. They were just a tough, tough team to beat. Like they would make you pay for every mistake. They would defend very well. I remember being very impressed by them. And I actually even remember being very impressed by their mentality going into those super long uh, PK series against Manchester United in the final. And they just looked completely undaunted. This for a team that, if if I remember correctly, they had never won like a major trophy in their ever, like in their story, history. Like to carry that weight for those players and just every single one of them just looked completely stoic. I remember being very impressed by them, but, you know, again, who knows? Like this season, they're not playing all that well domestically. Uh, their, their group really wasn't the toughest group, so that's probably why they made it out. They had some good performances there. I, I think they actually remind me a lot of, of Juventus this year in, the, in which they suddenly can look really good and then they can look really poor with no really rhyme or reason they're coached by by another guy who's kind of known for being pragmatic and a little bit of a, of a defensive guy i think they're a very very similar team to to us in that regards 
And honestly, I think we're favorites only in name because I think it's going to be a very, very even match. I would not be shocked if, if Juventus got knocked out and against Villarreal. I would also not be shocked if, if, if we won easily. Like I honestly, any scenario here would, would completely is in the realm of possibility for me because it's, it's hard to tell with, with teams like, like Juventus, like Villarreal that sometimes look pretty decent and sometimes don't. So especially in cup competition, just don't know who you're going to get. I think it's an, it's an interesting matchup, arguably one of the better ones they could have gotten, but still it's not going to be an, an easy matchup. That's for sure. Health is going to factor so, so huge into this tie. Like is Fe- if Federico Chiesa is, is healthy, if Paulo Dybala is healthy, that leaves Juve in a big, with, with an advantage, maybe not like a huge one, but with an advantage, just for the, for the record, just you, you were talking about their domestic form, Sergio, not only are they, the, you know, like I said, they're 13th now, they would have been in the UEFA Conference League, that newfangled thing this year, had they not won the Europa League last year. So, you know, even last year, they weren't setting the world on fire. And it's just a matter of can Juve hit them on a good day? If they do, then you've got, you know, you've got a a trip to the quarterfinal. And, you know, you can think that the season at least is partially successful uh, at this point in terms of Europe anyway. Yeah, no, they they have to be like they're they're favorite in name. Sure. And but they have to beat them. I mean, just. Going through the the murderous row of teams that have, you know, eliminated Juventus the last few years. I know Ajax was an all time team. Like I like they're. I think that was completely warranted. But it's like Ajax, Leon, Porto, and now Villarreal. Like that would be tough, really tough to make the argument that that Juventus still a you know quote unquote big European team. If that's if those are the teams that are like consistently bouncing you from the Champions League like that. That would be tough. So they really, really, they really need this one, honestly. Like, I think just especially for their confidence, just it, they really, really need this one. Especially, I, like I said, I know you guys already discussed a lot of the all or nothing thing, but I was just watching the, the episode dedicated to that Champions League knockout. And it was just telling how much that, that kind of weighed on their season as it went along. Like, just you see it and it's like, oh, they, like they never quite bounced back, I think, after that. And and it's just it's tough, especially when you know your your story in that tournament and to continuously get bounced in, in embarrassing ways against teams you should technically beat. Just from a mental standpoint, I, I think it would be huge for them to actually make it through. At least there's no away goals rule this year. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess the problem is that as we, we were just talking about how Juventus is very much week to week, the first leg is two months away. So not only do we know what kind of shape Juventus players are going to be in, whether being injured and whatnot, we just don't know what shape Juventus is going to be. in. obviously you can say that about everybody, but you know, you, you feel a little bit safer about, you know, one of the, the true champions league contenders, you know, you feel safe in saying that Liverpool is probably going to be playing well in the last days of February compared to, Juventus, who has, as we've we've talked about, what they they've really had probably what two or three, like literally consistent months over the past season and a half, two seasons. So it's just it's it's 
I don't know. I, I guess it's kind of a cop out from my point of view. Cause it's like, I, I don't want to really think too far ahead when it comes to the champions league, because I just know how just wildly inconsistent this team has been not only this season, but in years prior and just how, as much as we've thought the Leon draw helped as much as we thought the Porto draw was going to be a good thing. Well, those didn't end up being good things at all. Yeah, I mean, it, when I was looking at this draw, I was just saying not PSG, not PSG, not PSG. Everything else was just kind of of the same degree. Then again, maybe PSG would have been better because like I said, this team plays down to its opposition so much that maybe getting one of the really big boys would have actually perked them up a bit. You know, you saw what happened in the first game against Chelsea this year. You saw what happened in the second game against Barcelona last year. Maybe that was what they needed and we'll, but we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, no, I'd rather not do that. I'd rather just wait and hope that they can beat Villarreal. Um, I would, I would also, I would also prefer that for sure. But to, to be fair, I think that they have been getting up for for Champions League games, even against you know the Malmos and Zenits of the world. I think this year they have been pretty good in, in Champions League. So, and and I think it's that they know that this is the the you know not the big one because I don't think that they have any shot in hell of winning but you know I think they know that these games matter more I think they, they understand the, the importance of them and I, I don't think it's going to be a, a thing of sleepwalking against Villarreal I, I really just think that you never know what you're going to get from them so it wouldn't shock me if just straight they straight up get outplayed by Villarreal like it would not shock me I hope it doesn't happen I think it won't happen but if it does it, it won't shock me but like Danny said it's in freaking three months time two months time so who knows all right, shall we jump into some Twitter questions to wrap this thing up here, gentlemen? Hit me. All right. From at VO underscore Daikon, as much as I hate to ask, how long do we keep Paulo Dybala if his injuries keep adding up? Is his new contract the wor- worth the worry of him not being able to show up to matches? Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Look, I think you have to give him the contract at this point because we've waited too freaking long for the freaking contract to not give it to him at this point. Like his agent is like walking from freaking Argentina to, to Italy. Is, are you going to say no right when he's in like France? Like that'd be rude. But in, I think you have to give it to him just because the other option is to lose him for free. But it is very worrisome. Like this recent trend of injuries, I think is very, very worrisome. I think... All of us were of the opinion that he wasn't particularly injury prone up until that Mauricio Sarri year when he got hurt trying to, you know, push push an injury too far in that Leon knockout match. And he's just never been the same since. Like, it's just the same little things, like constant nagging injuries. And they're like muscle things too, which is, I don't know if more or less worrying because it hasn't been like a like a catastrophic injury a lot. Oh, this this kid from Roma, uh, Pellegrini, I think, uh, who constantly gets his ACL turn apart. Like it hasn't been something like that. It's just been constant. Saniolo, Saniolo, thank you. It's not Pellegrini, it's Saniolo. And you know, it's not been something like that. It's been more like constant nagging injuries that, and this is going to sound scary, but that remind me a lot of like Douglas Costa or Mattia De Siglio, which are just like very. Just like constant nagging things that are not like big, 
but they keep happening and they keep happening to different parts of his body. Like it's the thigh and then it's the calf and then it's the other calf. And it's just, it's really, really worrisome. I, I think it's fair to start to ask that question. At this point, I think you have to give him the contract just for the sake of not losing him for free because I think he's still a very, very talented player, a guy that you can build just on talent alone. I think you can build around him, but it's it's starting to become an issue. I, I don't think it's anymore just like a, you know, people who don't like him because he can't play with Ronaldo type of thing. You know, it's it's really, I think it's fair to say now if whether or not he's an injury-prone player. And look, he still has half a season. Um, if he can put together six months of good play without any injuries, I think we can start breathing a little bit easier, but until that happens, yeah, I think, I think it's very fair to say that, that he's been injury prone for the last couple of years. And it's always going to be scary to give a big contract to an injury prone guy. And I think that's just, just because they've waited so long for this extension, just because of the way it has been negotiated and handled. I I think they're kind of stuck in, in no man's land. And I think they have to give it to him. But I'm not as sure it's a slam dunk as I was, you know, when the season started. A lot of ifs and hopes being thrown out there by you, my man. Yes, yes. (laughs) Those are the best statements when you can either way you win. Yeah, that's that's uh, and and it's and and I I agree with pretty much everything you said, too. It's it's a it's a matter of you cannot afford to lose him for free at this point. So the contract has to happen. The question is, you know, how long will that be? You know, will it, will it be something that we'll end up regretting? I mean, you talk about Douglas Costa and you talk and, and guys like Deshilio who are, always seem hurt and, and it's, it's starting also to look that way. On the other hand, you also look at a guy like Giorgio Chiellini, who you really could kind of say, you know, he, his legs were never, his legs were never great. And, you know, even well before the ACL, he would have, you know, he would be out a month every once in a while with, with, with problems like that. And, you know, he's a legend now, so it can be managed. Whether or not that happens successfully with Dybala is something obviously to be seen for the future, but you cannot allow him to leave for free. You just can't do that. Yeah, and like you said, other players have had issues like that and they've been managed or they've just been like that that can't also not be, you know, that can that should also be considered. Maybe there's just a string of really bad luck of just you know nagging knocks and, and whatever. Maybe to say nothing of this, the supreme overload that every player in the world yeah, exactly. has been dealing and, with and since honestly, COVID. This might like, also start to become a, the new norm, like you're saying, like just so many games. So quickly, like every three games, I actually, I was looking at the schedule and I think this is the first week in like, I don't remember how long that they don't have a midweek fixture. So, you know, who knows, maybe this just becomes the new normal in which guys just start getting more of this nagging injuries and to get a guy that never gets injured starts becoming, you know, stranger and stranger just because of how many games are playing. So it's, it's, it's a tough situation. I think they're going to give him the contract. I think they should give him the contract. I just, I just hope that we can see at least, I don't know, three months, four months of consistent play, especially now that maybe the, the schedule next year is a little bit kinder. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if that's true, but maybe they have a few more breaks here and there. Hopefully that's the case. And hopefully he, he can get on the field because when he's on the field, 
like we said at the beginning of the pod, he's one of their most important players and, and he's still super talented, but it, it really doesn't matter a whole bunch if, if he can't be on the field. All righty. Next question here from our friend, David Desberg at the true ROAC. Why does Juve make so many sloppy mistakes? Not even issue of mentality, but why does, why do so many pedestrian tasks seem so arduous and are so difficult for Juventus to execute. If I knew that I'd be coaching the team. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yes. Time for uh, nothing against David, but now is the time for both you and Sergio to bust out your armchair manager skills. Yeah. It, I mean, it comes down to just focus and, and mentality and, you know, it, it, things were so sharp and, and also I get confidence is also a, a factor. I mean, you know, things have been going so wrong for the last year and a half or so, you know, it, 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 it's not, you know, it's not surprising that somebody might be walking on a knife's edge in their mind when they've got a simple kick. It's, it's all just, you know, you know, there's, there is a lot of stress on this team in order to get, in order to get back to where they were and to get back to where they were relatively quickly. And that's going to make your brain go a little bit faster and it's going to, it, it's going to cause sloppy mistakes. They say that presidential elections are one on, on one square foot of real estate up in the head during the debates. You know, it's, it's the same thing here, you know, games are won and lost on, on whether or not a guy might brain cramp at the say at the exact, at that exact minute. Yeah. It's a little bit that it's a little bit, maybe they're just not that good. I mean, I, I've been, I've been rooting for mediocre teams my whole life. I know when a team is mediocre and this team is, it has a lot of the things that make a team mediocre, uh, just unexplainable mistakes, just, you know, screwing it up just when you know you can't do it. Like I've been watching Mexico do it in World Cups all my life. Like I've been watching, you know, my beloved Puebla do it all the time. Like they go to the second leg of the quarterfinals. I was like, Hey, we have a one goal lead. And then they give up the goal within like 90 seconds of it starting. It's like, what are we doing here? It's just, I, I think it has a lot to do with that. I think they're, they, they might not be that good. And I think a lot of what Sam was saying is true. I think they're under a lot of pressure. They know they have to perform and that, that can screw with your head. So it's, yeah, it's tough to say. Like Sam said, if we knew, like I'd be managing the club right now. It's 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 just tough to say. So should we expect Juventus to schedule Club Puebla anytime soon to be the battle of the Sergio Romero mediocre teams? Honestly, I think I think the under twenty three team might might be a fair fair <laughs> matchup right there. Well, with with all the injuries, Juventus's senior team might turn into the under twenty three team at the current rate. So you never know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, final question here from at Diego R. Naranjo. What percentage of our failures would you attribute to Max Allegri? I know the players are making stupid mistakes, basically going off of what David just asked, but doesn't he? But doesn't Max also deserve a large share of the blame? So we are, as they say, coming full circle to complete said podcast episode. I mean, Max certainly deserves some of it. Not switching to the four-two-three-one earlier. That's on Max. A couple of of decision of in-game decisions. He's like I was saying earlier on. You know, he he in his first tenure, he he did a good job in in-game manager managerial decisions. I was always I was always a little bit crazed over the fact that he seemed to take forever to make them. I still think he makes the substitutions far too late 
60% of the time. Certainly he did on Saturday, giving his subs only 14 minutes to work was, was, was a bad, that was bad. Also bad was the fact that uh, th- those subs themselves really boggled my mind. You've got Federico Bernadeschi and Luca Pellegrini, two of the only guys on the field that were making anything happen offensively. And you take them off for Alexandra, who is a, a straight nominal straight swap, but hasn't been in good form. And Rodrigo Bentancourt, who just isn't a, 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 a player that can get you forward. Like that doesn't, that, that made no sense to me. And then leaving that formation in and not letting Matias Sula maybe get a little bit more time where he could have done something because those four minutes that he was on the field, he actually looked, he certainly looked like a confident kid who was looking, who was, you know, looking to get the bit between his teeth and go. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I would right now, probably just because it's so early in the season. And like Sergio said, you know, the, that first year of a, of a new project, it's difficult to say, is it the players? Is it the coach with, with definite, with, with finality, but there it's, it's at the very least an even split in my mind right now, maybe a little more uh, towards Allegri, but that's probably more to do with just my longstanding issues about the way he coaches. Yeah, it's, it's tough to say exactly, you know, percentages. I, you know, pulling out a page in, you know, of our friends, of our beloved journalist, Momblano, or however you pronounce his name, I'm going to go 27.5%. It's, it's Max Allegri's fault. Just, just because I, I think this team is, I think we have enough evidence to suggest that the team at its core is, is flawed. And, We've seen it with a new coach, with Andrea Pirlo. We've seen it under Mauricio Sarri and under Max Allegri now, both in his last year and in his first, second year, I guess, first year of his second stint. Um, it's just the same issues keep propping up, the, the, the same problems keep propping up. And it's just, especially with two coaches who we, I think nominally all agree that despite whether or not we like a bunch of their, you know, the way they coach, they have been very successful before in, in Allegri and Sarri, and they both failed or are failing right now in, in relatively similar manners. Uh, even a, a new coach like Pirlo failed in very similar ways than the way Allegri is failing right now. So I, I, just because of that, just because of that constant right now, I do think it has it's a lot more to do with the team rather than Allegri. Now, if, if we keep... Uh, like we said, they're going to keep him. So if next year we're still seeing these issues, if, if two years from now we're still seeing the same, the same issues and the team has changed and it's new players and we're still seeing a lot of the things that, like Sam was saying, that just Allegri struggles a little bit with, I think at that point you can you can fairly say, okay, maybe, like, like you were saying, maybe the game has passed him by, maybe he's passed his expiration date, but I think right now, just because of the very well-known issues with the team and the fact that, yes, it's it's December, it's been a few months now, but still relatively new to his new stint, I, I'm, I'm more willing to cut him more slack. The same way I cut a lot of slack to Pirlo early on and, and the same way I cut some slack to, to Sarri, I think when you have such, you know, fundamental issues in the team, there's only so much that a coach can do. And we've tried with two proven veteran coaches 
and we tried with a new, you know, fresh out of school coach and they struggled very similarly. So I think that's why I lean towards really the team bearing the, the brunt of the fault. Now, if you want to talk big time and be like, oh, is it really the, the you know, the, the board's fault for putting up such a crappy team? Maybe that's really where the main blame lies. But because that's not an option, I think I'm, I'm going with mostly, mostly it's on the team right now. But that, that might be, that might change if, if time goes by and then we're still having much of the same problems as we're having right now. So if you're pulling a Monplano, are you going to link Pep Guardiola to Juventus in the next few minutes before we sign off, Sergio? Yeah, there's a, a 2.35% chance <laughs> of that happening, according to, to my sources. <laughs> and you're going to die on that hill. Die on that hill. 2.35% chance. Not, not, not one more, not one less. That's, that's the probability. All right. Well, now that we got that out of the way, we will wrap things up for this episode. Thank you guys for your Twitter questions. As always, you can send them to us at Juventus Nation on Twitter. You can follow us there as well as on Facebook at Black and White and Red All Over is your search tool. Same search phrase for your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts, as always, we appreciate a rating and a review and all that good stuff. So... For Sam Lepresti, for Sergio, and for the Vegas vacationing Chucks, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.